You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. Welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on HP Digital. We really thank you for being part of this show. We've got this show, we've got lots of feedback. Muzz, actually, I'll first off, I'll bring Muzz here. He's with me again. How you doing? How you going, Jason? Um, welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Podcast. Yeah, we've had lots of great emails about the Straight Shooting Podcast. They like the news. They like what we're talking about. Uh, they're very interested to do more of this, but... Before we go on, we've got, of course, we've got to do the uh, things that we always do at the start of the show. Mm. Uh, we're recording this uh, episode a week after releasing our other straight shooting podcast. So I think the date today is October 31st, and we're going to uh, release this interview after I get back going to hunt the ducks for two weeks in early November through to about the 18th of November. So this show will be out around the 18th or 19th of November when I get back from the ducks. But yep. what we wanted to say. Get onto the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, and click on that voice message uh, button on the right-hand side uh, of your browser. You'll see it there. You can't miss it. Uh, And what we're actually going to do is play those MP3s and those audio files uh, on the Straight Shooting Podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. um, Look... We've uh, been try- trying to plug this feature of the of the website for quite a while, and we really need you guys to participate and and send in some of your voicemails, your questions, comments, whatever you may have to say to us, and uh, give it a go so that we can play some of those uh, files on the show, Jason. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And and I know some people have been plugging their microphones in, and when they actually click the button, it says they need to give permission. Just click through to the next screen. Click the microphone. You'll see what your microphone's name. Say give permission and then you just record it you can re-record it if you get it wrong when you've got it right click the send button send it through comes to my email and we'll play that on the show of course again the website australianhoneypodcast.com.au twitter.com forward slash ahpodcast got a bit of a love-hate relationship with twitter uh, you can find us on the Stitcher website as well if you're anywhere in the world and got a Wi-Fi connection certainly jump on Stitcher iTunes, guys, we're the biggest uh, podcast in Australia for hunting, shooting, and fishing. Number one. Which is, which is, which is great. Uh, again, we would love you to rate and subscribe the show. So go on iTunes, leave us a comment, rate five stars. just takes a couple of seconds because it's not purely about downloads. It's also about rating and also leaving comments as part of that popularity on iTunes. So really, really important. If you want to email me, of course, go to the website again, strainhoneypodcast.com.au. Click on that contact icon. Certainly love to hear from you. Uh, or just email me at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Lots happened over the last couple of weeks, but I know Muzz was very keen to... Uh, talk about uh, the Living with the Enemy, the TV show uh, that uh, had Felicity Anderson and Steve Lee uh, basically pitting them, an animal liberation yep. person, pitting themselves up against a hunter, which was uh, Steve Lee. Very, very interesting. And when I first started watching it, I know Muzz was away in New Caledonia at this time, and I was sending him uh, messages whilst the boat was cruising off the harbour because he still had reception. But I was in hysterics. There's just so much stuff that happened. Um, I know Muzz, I know we talked about it a little bit on last last straight shooting podcast, but Muzz had some things to say that he just he just loved about the show. And one thing I wanted to say, actually, was how Steve Lee sort of basically hit this on the head when he actually said, have you noticed that? A lot of these mm. animal liberation people, 
they're always upset. They're always crying. They're always very yeah, emotional. Their, their life is full of misery. Mi- yeah, misery. Their yeah. life is full of misery. Yeah. And I was there going, that's really true because, you know, hunters, I mean, when they go, when I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm mm. not going out there crying. Yeah. Um, another funny part was when they were hunting on the, uh, uh, was the duck swamp, and this old lady was there sitting in the back of this station wagon. <laughs> sitting That's in right, the back. they brought the dead duck to they her. <laughs> and she goes, oh, what have you got there? Yeah, oh, what happened? What happened? Like a dirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was in little, uh, I got and, shot. And you know what, Jason? Then she's patting it and then she wants to, she's saying to, to Steve, oh, you want to hold it? And then mm, she's no. being really, saying, saying to Steve, oh, be gentle with Steve goes, oh, well, it's okay, love. It's dead. It's yeah, not, it, goes, it, it won't make any difference. It's a yeah. dead duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he basically goes, gentle, not gentle. doesn't matter. It's dead. She goes, oh, don't you feel anything? He looks at it and he goes, well, no, it's dead. It's a dead duck. Yeah, it's dead. And she's, oh, well, you know, it's a soul. And he goes, well, yeah, it's a soul, but yeah, it's dead. What do you want me to feel? And then it was hilarious when they, you know, they do, they pull him aside and they actually talk to him individually. And she's like, oh, I hope Steve sort of learned something. He's like, oh, you know, we came all this way. You know, it really just seems like you know a bit of a bit mm. of a waste of time to me. I mean, come here just to basically get you know one dead duck. I mean, what a complete waste of time. And it, one thing I want to address on that too, which was interesting as well, when uh, people saw the pig, mm. there was a pig that she actually freely admitted on the show that she actually stole uh, from a farmer. Yeah. And freely admitted to breaking the law because apparently the the holier than thou attitude. Well, it's morally right, so yeah. therefore laws don't really exist. And she's got this pig in what looks like a um, <laughs> what What's is Steve it, a tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> the poor pig's got some dodgy leg or spine, and he's, and he's rolling around in a tricycle. And you know, she saved his pig, and Steve's saying, you know. Uh. Well, yeah, that's good on you, but what's the point? <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Oh, this is like Meals on Wheels," you know. And it, but it was kind of running around with this little cart on its back legs. I'm thinking, you know, these people about they're morally, you know, morally correct, you know, so they can they think they think they're morally correct, so that that's okay to go and you know break the law, which you know again is totally unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're I mean, so this is the thing, Mars. I don't care hmm. at all what vegans do. You don't want to eat meat. I don't give a shit, basically. Yeah, you know, right. I don't care. I don't care. If you want to go and protest, that's right. But just don't stop trying me to do what I yeah. want to do, which was go out and hunt. I mean, if they, if they could stop it tomorrow and mm. you weren't allowed to eat meat and they could get it banned, same with, you know, cage-raised eggs, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, one of my good friends has a, works actually at, a, at one of those big, uh, you know, yeah. egg manufacturers who make or who obviously do eggs. Um, and, you know, the conditions from what I've seen, what he tells me, are actually really good, air-conditioned, mm. you know, belts underneath the bottom to take away, you know, all yep. the feces and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I guess... Oh, look, everyone's going towards this free-range sort of thing, you know, more animal welfare and all that, and I, I don't really have a, uh, an issue with that. I, I don't think it's bad at all or anything like that, other than raising the price of your eggs. But, um, look, one of the things that, that... One of the points, Jason, that I don't think was made firmly enough is that Steve Lee... Throughout that whole uh, process, he was a really good sport. He went along mm. with all their stuff that they wanted to put him through, yep. even holding the dead duck in the sign on whatever it is, you know what I mean, at their protest that they had uh, in Melbourne. I mean, he was a really, really good sport. And it, it really didn't highlight the fact that most normal people, gun owners and hunters and you know, all, everyone in our industry, none of us would ever force someone to shoot a gun. None of us would ever force someone to go on a hunting trip, right? None of us would ever force someone to shoot an animal. But these vegans, these these 
nut jobs. They are they're absolutely they are nut, nut jobs. It's one of the things that came from this show. They really portrayed themselves as mentally ill, quite frankly. And um, they have forced their opinion down everyone's throat like that. Everyone has to believe the things that they believe and, and they're trying to, I guess, put a human uh, aspect to, to, to the animals, like the animals are just like us. They're like human beings when they're not, you know what I mean? And it's like... Um, I just found the whole thing quite disturbing. And that's one of the things that wasn't pointed out is these guys, they're, they're, they're psychos. They really are psychos. And it might have been portrayed throughout the show. Steve Lee done a great job of representing us, uh, you know, the hunters, and, and he portrayed himself well. And uh, he was just like just an average normal guy. And, uh, and, the, and the animal libs done an absolute, you know, great job of portraying themselves that, for the nut jobs that they are. Robert Borsak was uh, quite good on the show as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think that the whole show was very positive towards Hunters, Jace. And I want to really congratulate, actually, SBS for running an excellent series. And not only hunting, they tackled a lot of really controversial issues with this Living With The Enemy series. And I really enjoyed the whole series. And well done, SBS. Yeah, no, nah, exactly. I thought it was a really good show, especially when, like, half the time she was swearing. Steve didn't get mm. into that. Seemed very calm, very collective. The best part of that I found, again, when he was on the duck fields where she goes, oh, well, well have you learned anything, you know, from, from being out here? And he's mm. like, seriously? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, well, yeah, I have. And she goes, well, what's that? And he goes, makes me want to go duck hunting. <laughs> it was pretty funny, wasn't it? And uh, I really enjoyed that. And But you know what? Well, I thought it was quite rude because Steve put on a really – really good feed mm, for mm. her he had the whole family out he fireworks. put on the fireworks uh they Pick really went stick. out of their way to make her feel at home and uh, to make her you know at least give her a good time and she just didn't want a bar of it she was just quite nutty really to to be honest so uh you know it's it really painted us in a good light and i'm very happy with the way the show turned out jace all right, I know Muzz, speaking about animal liberationists, I know Muzz had an article from Peter, isn't it, out of the, out of the United States? Yeah, well, this is uh, Jason from the New York Times by Michael Weinrip, and this is uh, Peter finds itself on receiving end of others' anger. And this is an older story, but uh, it's been resurfaced again because uh, Peter have been finding themselves in a lot of trouble uh, from people actually protesting them. So, and the story goes on, St. Peter considered by many to be uh, the highest profile animal rights group in the country, kills an, an average of about 2,000 dogs and cats each year at its animal shelter here. And the shelter does very few adoptions as well, only 19 cats uh, and dogs in uh, 2012 and 24 in 2011. It's a shocking record, Jace. Uh, at a time when the major animal protection groups have moved to a no-kill shelter model, PETA remains a holdout. Uh, well, it's a very vocal advocacy group uh, that does not believe animals should be killed for food, fur coats, or leather goods. And this is an organization that on Thanksgiving urges Americans not to eat turkey. I mean, just absolute hypocrisy Ooh, here, Jason. turkey. Mm-mm. It's just unbelievable, these people. The, the hypocrisy of these left-wing animal liberationist nutjobs. You know, it's like only the Ministry of Truth at PETA is allowed to kill animals. No one else is allowed to kill animals. It's just astounding. And the story goes on to say, over the past, five, uh, over the past sorry, 30 years, uh, PETA has uh, run highly publicized campaigns targeting corporations for the way they treat animals, taking aim at um, Ringling Brothers Circus with the elephants, 
McDonald's with their chickens and General Motors. Um, their annual We'd Rather Go Naked Than Wear, Wear Fur campaign featuring nude models is a public relations legend. And, you know, but lately the protester is being protested. Peter has become the number one target among supporters of no-kill shelters. So, yeah, Jason, I mean, Peter on, on the nose, really, with animal liberation. It's, it's quite ironic, don't you reckon? Yeah, I just don't understand. See, I'm going to probably go out on a limb here and say, I mean, realistically, anyone, if you get so many dogs and cats, you're not going to be able to rehome them all. So you have to euthanize them. That's the reality. Oh, well, absolutely. That's the yeah. reality. Yes. But what I don't like is when they're basically out there telling us not to eat turkey, don't go hunting, hunters are bad. Oh, yeah, hunting's Don't wear bad, fur yeah. coats. Oh, you're a killer if you go hunting, you know. Yep, don't do this, don't do that. And then, on the other hand, the hypocrisy of killing, you know, thousands and thousands of animals per year, which I understand is realistic, hmm. but they don't come to me and say, well, hang on, you shouldn't go hunting. You it know? just astounds me, these animal groups. They, they, they just have absolutely no problem yeah, but killing... And, you know, they call it euthanizing, whatever. It's just a soft way of saying, well, we've killed the animal. You know, thousands <laughs> of animals. Thousands of animals every year. But, oh, don't you dare go hunting. You're an evil murderer. Yeah, My God, it's just unbelievable. Have they actually tasted turkey with, like, cranberry sauce? Well, I don't know, Jason, but <laughs> I'll hopefully they'll get a, a taste of their own medicine once these people get through with them with all their protests. As they always say, Peter, people eating tasty animals. You can't <laughs> one, really, Jason. you can't really get. But anyway, Brilliant. but the, anyway, I understand why they why they euthanize them. Just don't like being told I can't hunt, don't go shooting, don't kill animals, don't eat meat, and then they're killing thousands of them. Like it's just like, if you're going to kill them, just put up and shut up and don't say anything else about it. But Absolutely, ah. Anyway. Oh. All right, we're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back with another episode of the Straight Shooting Podcast. The Sporting Shooters Association of Australia proudly presents Australia's largest event for the sports shooting industry right here in Perth, the Shot Expo, December 6 and 7. For the true enthusiast, the Shot Expo showcases the professionalism and commitment to safety of sports shooting in Australia. Safety and training demos, ethical hunting and conservation, outdoor camping and archery, it's all on show. The Shot Expo, Claremont Showground, December 6 and 7. Pay on the day or go to shotexpo.com.au for sponsors, exhibitors and online bookings. G'day, I'm Robert Brown from the Shooters and Fishers Party and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. You know, I've seen a lot of political parties promise support for Shooters and Fishers over the years, but the only party who has actually delivered for these groups, you guessed it, it's the Shooters and Fishers Party. We've been going toe-to-toe with the Greens and the gun grabbers for the last 20 years and we're not going to stop. We've got too much to fight for, but we need your support. In March 2015, we have our best chance ever to elect a third Shooters and Fishers Party member to the New South Wales Parliament. To register your support, please visit www.sfp2015.org.au. I'll repeat that, www.sfp2015.org.au. Hey, Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course, Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know, Jason, they always have bulk ammo specials? 
Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park or call them on 9620 13 13. If you're in a Queensland area and you need to get some printing done, come and see our friend Mike at Applause Press in Logan Village, Queensland. Uh, for all your printing and design needs, including business cards, letterheads, docket books, stickers, brochures, booklets and flyers, please contact Mike at Applause Press, Logan Village, Queensland on 07 8356. Logan Village, Queensland, Applause Press. Yeah, all right, guys. Another one. This one is one I think is really, really important. Uh, we're going to play uh, slightly a bit of a radio interview from Nova 106.9. Uh, this is a radio station down in South Australia. Now, the real interesting part about this is that this, uh, we're actually going to cut this article down. Uh, it was about eight minutes long. We're going to cut down to the most important parts, and we're going to address those important parts, which I think Hopefully it's going to be really important because some of the things Tony Piccolo, the South Australian police minister, said, uh, in my opinion, uh, was just it didn't really sit right with me. So we're going to play it right now and then we'll come back and we'll address those things that he actually had to say. One of the biggest drivers of reaction last week on this program and others was the knowledge that there is a review going on about gun ownership in South Australia. Let's talk to the police minister who really is at the centre of this, Tony Piccolo. Tony, thanks for being available today. I think the first question is, what compelled you to hold a review? What, what set of circumstances or realities or advocacy put you in a position where you decided you'd have a review? Uh, good morning, Leon, and uh, good morning to your listeners. And it's a very good question. In fact, the review actually started uh, some years ago, and I've just tried to fast-track it to complete it to make sure that... Uh, we have appropriate, uh, um, an appropriate fire, firearms act in South Australia to make sure that uh, people who own guns um, do so responsibly and to also to keep the, the community safe. What is telling us that our laws in some way or regulations might be lax? Is there anything that we've got to hang our hat on that tells us that we need to look at something? Well, uh, police who have got responsibility for the Firearms Act uh, obviously brief me and keep me informed of any trends and things. And certainly their view is that uh, the current Act, uh, which goes back to 1977, has been amended so many times that it's very hard to understand and also difficult in some cases to enforce. Mm. And there's been a you know a couple of decisions in the, in the court where perhaps the, the, the law is not operating in the way which we intended as a parliament. So I've, I'm going to take a wholesale uh, review of the Act. I'm doing that in conjunction with the the firearms branch of SAPOL. Uh, I've already met with a, a number of uh, victim of crime groups and people who've actually been victims of crime, but also of and initial discussions with those uh, the people who actually um, who support or, or gun ownership and a whole range of sporting organisations. So I've made it very clear that through this review process that I'll be looking at who, who can actually who can actually own a gun, uh, what guns they can own, and importantly what sort of standards of storage, if you actually are given the privilege of owning a gun, what you need to do. And I've made it very clear also to the groups is that I don't want in this state uh, that American gun culture. I don't support that. I don't want this in the state. And we have to have a, uh, make sure that uh, we don't have that sort of culture developing in this, in this state or this country indeed. 
Are we really saying that whatever happens, the rules of ownership of guns is going to be tighter? Oh, I think so. That will be my, my, my view so far of what I've heard and what I've discussed with people is that there'll be some tightening of the rules in some regards. I haven't finally landed what they are, but certainly I'd be confident to say that the rules will be tightened. Uh, but also the Attorney-General has actually gone publicly and talked about some issues, uh, and that's already public information, about people who actually traffic in guns, and he's doing some things in that area as well, in addition to my work. Yes, because, you see, one of the, one of the problems of uh, criminals accessing weapons is that the containers that bring them in, mm. we only look at a very small proportion of them. So, in a sense, we're tempting fate that some of these illicit weapons will get into the hands of people who are not going to go to the police and register a firearm. They're going to use it for purposes other than what it was intended. Well, that would be have to be a Commonwealth issue if we're going to sort of... Uh, if you were to sort of successfully ban guns out, you mm. have to do it at a Commonwealth level because once you can enter into one state, people can just you know sure. like shift them across the state. So, mm. And there's no proposal, as far as I understand, to ban them outright. So what we have to do... You're quite right. We have to be vigilant to make sure that controls are safe at the border. But even in our own state, there are things we can do to make sure that people store guns. Can I, can I ask you, are our gun laws here much different to where they are elsewhere in other states? You would have been across this. I'd be interested uh, to know. No, they're very much in the past. Since the, uh, the, the, the serious matter in, in Tasmania some years ago, uh, gun laws are very much similar. They're not identical, mm. but similar because there is a Commonwealth framework and we, we work within that framework. So there is room to manoeuvre within the framework, but generally speaking, we can't work against that framework. When, uh, when the, the gun lobby say to you, when you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns, what do you say in, re- in response to that? Uh, my, my, my view is that in an ideal world, we, we don't need guns, uh, uh, from limited, apart from limited uh, usage. The reality is we do have guns in society, my concern would be that if we did try to out, out, um, outlaw them, what would happen? You would have an underground industry develop, mm. and that would be worse because yeah. I'd rather know where they are so we could control them and manage them than not know at all. Right. all. Uh, Has it been put to you that maybe uh, the sporting shooters, rather than store their weapons privately, go to a central receptacle? Uh, it hasn't been put to me directly that I'm, I'm aware of, uh, but... Uh, it hasn't, hasn't been raised with me, but uh, I'm still throughout the review process. So if, if people want to put some ideas to me, I'm happy to hear those. All right. So if, if people have got ideas about firearms one way or the other, what do they do? Uh, just to, if you just want to write to me as Minister of Police, I'll, uh, I'll input them into the process. Uh, SAPOL will analyse the recommendations which come through or suggestions come through, and yeah. I'm happy to take them into account right. as part of this review process. Now, I've got a couple of questions. I don't know whether you can answer them, but I suspect anticipating that I was going to talk to you, you might know. In the last year or two or three, where is gun crime in in basic crime stats? And secondly, the guns used, are they guns stolen from licensed shooters or are they guns which were never in the system? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, we, we, we know that there's a bit of both because that uh, some guns are, are stolen from people who have, who, who have registered guns and, and that's an issue that one of the third things I'll be exploring in this uh, review process is are our storage requirements tough enough or strong enough to, to deter people from doing that? The issue of also, there are guns, unfortunately, in society which have never been registered. Um, prior to the major incident in, in Tasmania some years ago, some states had very lax laws. Mm. And unfortunately, those guns do go across. We can actually, we often find uh, some guns which have been stolen here involved in crime interstate and vice versa. So 
I'm very keen to make to get guns which are not registered out of circulation. So one of the things I'll be looking at is to have an ongoing amnesty because I want people, if whatever reason, have not got around to registering a gun, to, to hand it in because it's safer by handing it in than keeping it somewhere in the back shed which could get, could get stolen and used by somebody unlawfully. Can I ask you this? Uh, Tim has sent an email. I'll read it to you. He says, There is no correlation between legal gun ownership and violent crime whatsoever. Disarming legal and compliant gun owners will not stop the flow of illegal weapons. This, this course of action is another step towards a totalitarian hypocrisy by idealistic powermongers. What do you think of that? Um, I, 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 that view has been put to me before. Uh, so, but having said that, uh, as I said, look, we live in a liberal democratic society. The reality is that people are lawfully own guns. Uh, I'm not seeking to ban guns, but I would say that uh, there are some people in the community perhaps who shouldn't have a gun in the first place. Uh, we're looking at those people, particularly people who have some association with some criminal activity. Hmm. And, and also, guns are related to certain illegal activities, so we need to review that. All right, so what we're saying, Tony, is that if you want to own a gun lawfully, the, uh, the tests upon which you can either be decided to have it or not are going to get stiffer. Uh, very much so. All right. Yep. Okay, when, when do you reckon we'll have... Uh, when will you have on the table... A kind of discussion about this. When, okay. You know, you'll have some recommendations. When do you think? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to to finalise the the engagement process prior to Christmas. I'm hoping then go to uh, take uh, some principles to the government to look at. Mm. So I, I would hope that I can have a bill uh, for, for community discussion early next year. Well, all right, guys, you just heard there from uh, Tony Piccolo, the South Australian Police Minister. Now, myself and Muzz were listening to that just whilst recording this show, and there's a lot of interesting things he's had, mm. he had to say there, uh, the Police Minister from South Australia. Now, the first one I want to talk about was um, community safety. Now, I've actually, just here in New South Wales, I've uh, spoken to, or their office, to our Police Minister. Well, sorry, it was Michael Gallagher until he was actually uh, uh, fired or stood down for possible <laughs> alleged... Uh, Donations, but mm. I want to find out what this community safety actually means and what's that what that means about keeping the community safe. Now, I've actually written to the minister and asked them for you know basically proof or evidence or like a public benefit analysis as to how beneficial the registry over what the last eighteen years since what roughly nineteen ninety six has had. I guess on crime. Mm has had on uh, public safety, and they never, ever write back to you. I think I've written to them about four, at least four or five times. Uh, never get anything back. They never address the questions. There's no public benefit analysis. There's no nothing. And you know, they keep banging yeah. on about this whole community safety thing. So well, what does that mean? What about people having the right to be safe in their community, uh, whether that means arming themselves in their home, self-defense, Whatever yeah. it may be, I mean, can you explain what this community? I'm, I'm sick of this community safety well, crap. It's only community safety when the police tell you, uh, you know, when the police tell you that they only have the right to, I guess, keep you safe, <laughs> even though sometimes they're 45 minutes away in some areas. Yeah, absolutely. But um, uh, Tony Piccolo in the in the, that interview there, Jason was uh, he mentioned at the start uh, he's speaking that he, he said he spoke to gun groups and victims of crime. Yep. Now, I don't understand how he's speaking to victims of crime going to help with any kind of gun legislation because if you're a victim of a crime, if it's gun crime, for example, or gun-related crime, well, then you're a victim of a criminal, Yeah, right? Exactly. So the legislation they're putting forward relates to law-abiding firearm owners yeah. because how are you going to legislate against criminals? 
this is what I don't understand. How is speaking to victims of crime going to help in any way whatsoever regarding gun laws? Of course, a victim of a crime is going to have a negative outlook on guns because they've just been victim of a criminal with a gun. Mm. And I mean, criminals can get guns no matter what. So this is the fallacy. I mean, oh, yeah, I've been to turn to people that says I've been speaking to victims of crime and gun groups and like I mean he's just talking rubbish really mm. uh, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever so yeah. so yeah so how will talking to the victims of crime help changing the gun laws how that's going to affect anything I don't know but Tony Piccolo seems to know so anyway yeah, he also talks about storage requirements and things are going to get uh, tougher about the storage of firearms it would seem I mean what's different now than what people have been doing currently. I mean, most people don't leave their firearms out. They put them in a safe. I put mine in there, obviously, because it's the law, yeah. but obviously I don't really want them stolen. I feel a lot safer that someone would have to get through a safe to try and get them first. I mean, why do they keep saying they want to toughen up? I mean, or they want these central... He didn't say this in the interview, but some people have said before, let's get these central caches. I mean, who's going to guard these central caches? It's going to be a haven for criminals going, well, if we get in there, we know we're going to get you know, quite a lot of guns. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. People are storing their guns correctly. What, how can you get more stricter on storage requirements? I mean, this is, this is stuff of nightmares they talk about, Jase. This is communist China stuff. This is like full communist regime. Oh, we've all got to keep our guns at a central location because, you know, no one can be trusted with a gun, not even law-abiding people, not police, not anyone. It's just unreal. And then he's talking about making it harder for people to get guns and licenses. You know, he's saying that toughening up the laws again. Like, he's saying that he's going to tackle gun crime and all this stuff. I mean, how he's making people harder to get guns and licenses, lawful guns, lawful licenses, mind you, going to in any way, shape or form affect the criminal element? Well, it's not. It's not. No. So, you know, it's just the fact... He's, they're good at talking, these uh, politicians, and, they, and they're good at, I guess, um, pre- appearing like they're making sense, but they absolutely make no sense whatsoever when you break down what they're really saying. Yeah, yeah then in the next breath, too, he's also saying uh, he doesn't want an American gun culture. He doesn't want that here. He doesn't, he doesn't want American-style gun culture, no. Yeah, he doesn't want that for South Australia. I mean, what does he actually mean by what does he actually mean by that? What's he talking about? Freedom to own firearms, people going out there enjoying their guns, uh, defending themselves. I mean, I don't even know what he's actually talking about there. I think what he's really saying is he wants to clog up law-abiding owners with as much red tape as possible so that, you know, people can't, I guess... Uh, Free, you know, in a free country, God forbid, go out and easily buy a twenty-two or something and go go shooting rabbits or whatever it is. But um, with, with the American gun culture, Jace, um, I mean, people think that all these shootings and everything you see on the news from America, they think that that is an American gun culture. It's not an American gun culture. It's the criminal culture. That's what criminals do. The American gun culture is entirely different. It's a culture of freedom. It's a culture, a culture of responsibility, a culture of going out and shooting with your, uh, with your mates, having a great time hunting, uh, a culture of self-defense. That's what the American gun culture is. So when these, Heaven forbid you have a, a culture of wanting to defend your family, wanting yeah, to defend your own life. Exactly. Oh, we don't want that here. We don't oh, want that here. No, that's right. We want to continue to be innocent uh, you know, uh, victims. So when, when they talk about, oh, we don't want an American gun culture, what they're referring to usually is a lot of the crimes and things that you see on TV, and that's what they're hoping that the people will, I guess, um, retain from what he's saying. 
but it's it's complete it's complete fallacy uh, and this next one is the one that really actually peed me off the most where he said uh in an ideal world uh we don't need firearms and if they did happen to outlaw firearms totally obviously it would create that out, you know that underground market which well we already know here is massively yeah. here already this uh the yeah. prohibition on firearms uh then he also says so he said he'd rather know where they are uh, so he can control them and manage them. We're talking about, <laughs> oh, this makes me so mad. We're talking about illegal firearms. The thing is, he doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know. They're, that's why they're illegal yeah, exactly. firearms. The ridiculousness of his statements is just mind-boggling. He's saying, oh, yeah, I'd rather know where the guns are so we can control them and manage them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's this great. I mean, clown. What, what the guns that he's talking about are lawfully owned firearms by lawful, lawful, uh, you know, law-abiding hunters. I mean, what is the point of knowing where those guns are? You need to know where the criminals' guns are, which the cops don't know where they are. It's, it's, the, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The whole thing about this was that he said he didn't want if they did outlaw the guns, then that wouldn't be good. So, but if he if if, if they're not banned then he'd know where they are. I mean, the whole... The statement doesn't even make sense. The statement does not even make even it's, one it's, iota It's unbelievable. And you know sense. what gets me, Jason? He speaks about... Um, he's not quite quite aware of any moves to ban them outright or anything. He speaks about it so casually as if, like, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're the masters of the universe. We're going to ban your guns. I mean, it's it's this is stuff of communist dictatorship nightmares i mean these people the way they talk oh we should you know ban guns altogether i mean who do these people think they are jace it's just unbelievable <laughs> what country do they think they live in do they need to be reminded every now and then hello you're in australia this is supposed to be a free country remember we had anzacs that went to gallipoli to die for the freedoms that we have you clown it's unbelievable and he also says there are some people in the community uh, yeah. that shouldn't have uh, guns and possibly maybe sort of involved in, you know, a criminal element. Well, if they're criminals, mm. most likely they would probably have a record yeah. and therefore would obviously uh, not permit them to well, gather... Well, they, they wouldn't pass the background check, Jason. Exactly. They wouldn't get any license. I mean, I don't know what he's talking about here. Oh, there are some people with a criminal, um, you know, association that would, they shouldn't have guns. Well, they shouldn't... Have be having a license in the first place. I mean, if you're giving them licenses, police commissioner, to criminals, I mean that's not their fault. That's your fault. But I don't know what he's trying to say there, Jason. Because to be quite honest, um, still, even if he's stopping them from getting a license, he's not going to be stopping them from getting guns if they're criminals. They'll get guns anyway. Yeah, but if he if he was talking about them, if they're actually within a criminal element, why would someone go through all the legal channels? Uh, to basically get a firearms license to then use that firearm illegally just doesn't make sense. I mean, it'd be just totally ridiculous because they're only going to put two and two together and it well, wouldn't, exactly. wouldn't be long until they're around your house. So he's obviously the better option, which would actually be the easier option for him. But why go through all that bother? Just yeah. go and get a firearm off the street and pay the $10,000, whatever it costs. I mean, that, that's probably the, 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 the thing he actually should do instead of thinking, oh, I want to commit some crime. Oh, let's wait four months to go through the bureaucracy. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even make sense. And no, it's, this it's, guy it's in this, just ridiculous. 
This guy in this whole interview sounds like he has... Like, you just got to listen to it. We've only played a little bit of it, but as you can see, he sounds like he has absolutely no idea. Really frustrates me, gets me fired up, because these are the guys that actually have your fate of firearms ownership in their hands. And, oh, I'm not looking at out- outlawing guns. We don't want the American gun culture. It really pisses me off, really. Yeah, he's saying, he's saying well, I'm not looking at, uh, you know, at, at banning guns altogether. Um, he just spoke about it before. Oh, I'm not aware of any moves to ban guns, but if where they were to ban guns, I mean, the way they speak about it, and in, the, in the interviewer, and in the interviewer, Jason, the interviewer says, um, basically goes on to say that uh, he he received letters from people saying that Oh, uh, you know, this is a move to a totalitarian state, and and yep. so on. And they laugh about it. They mm-hmm. laugh about it as if it's a joke. And like, there's no I mean, correlation between legal gun ownership uh, and violent crime. Yeah, you know, they, they laugh about it as if it's a joke. Yet they're doing exactly that. I mean, every time the government, the police department, the police minister, whoever it might be, they put a tighter squeeze on gun laws. Uh, all they're doing is just slowly losing their grip on the situation because. Uh, the criminals will find a way around it. And as we know, Jace, there's already uh, big underground manufacturing of uh, fully automatic submachine gun style, um, you know, bootleg firearms. There's heaps out there in the community. The police have seized a lot and they're seizing more and more all the time. So the more they squeeze, Jason, the more the criminals are pumping out illegal firearms. Yeah, and someone said to me something the other day, which I think was very interesting about safe storage and about the if if it has been the leaking of our firearms registry data across this country. Now, someone, someone said these gun control people are probably happy because then if that information gets out, the guns get stolen, just gives another avenue yeah. for the gun control people to say, oh, look, well, we told you, it's not working. I, I think on the, on, on the side, they're probably happy this is actually happening. Oh, of course they are. Any, any negative news towards law-abiding gun ownership, um, they, they would welcome, obviously, because it feeds into their, their uh, you know, lies and their rhetoric. Yeah, just really gives me, really upsets me because it just, I just, it's almost like they're provide. We, we legally have to provide the data. They're losing the data. We're getting our firearms uh, stolen. Uh, we've seen it heaps in New South Wales. We've seen, yeah. which we're going to get into a bit later about news. There was a guy in Tasmania beaten up and attacked for his firearms, and these people say, "Well, oh, I told you so." It's almost like. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I don't know what it is. It's just oh, it really gets it's on. It's quite my funny, head. isn't it, Jason? What, what what a stark contrast compared to New Zealand and how Anne Tolly, the police minister there, how she speaks about firearms. Speaking of uh, that, yeah, let's play that right now. Here let's is, play that he, right now. Here exactly. here is what the uh, Anne Tolly, the New Zealand police minister, said about uh, private uh, private uh, people, law-abiding firearms owner. Uh, having firearms and registration yeah and registration so just just have it we said this on a previous show about the private ownership of firearms and registration just just have a listen to this Justice Thorpe also advocated a ban like Australia on military-style semi-automatic weapons and suggested an independent firearms authority take over licensing and monitoring from police. But none of those key recommendations were adopted. There is no evidence to show that in fact uh, registering individual firearms will give greater protection to the community than, than the, the current system that we have. She says the government has no intention of changing that system, a move both police and the gun lobby support. And there you go, Anne Tolly speaking some sense there, confirming what we all know, that there's absolutely no evidence to suggest 
that any kind of registration makes the community any safer and the police back her up with this information. But our own police ministers are just at opposite ends of the of the globe on this one. I, I just don't understand why these police ministers, they seem to think that, oh, well, if we put more restrictions, more laws, you know, more of this red tape that we seem to be doing something and we're doing a great job and we're serving the community. I mean, they are just off this planet, Jason. Yeah, mate, totally agree. And how refreshing is it to hear from a, you know, a police minister saying, mate, there's no uh, no benefit to registration. I mean, New Zealand got rid of their firearms registry back in, I think it was the mid-'80s, yep. gone, doesn't make a complete waste of money, uh, not needed and not required in New Zealand. Um, you know, well said, and Tolly, really, really you know, great what she actually said. And, guys, if you have got a spare five minutes, get on to... Uh, Look up Antolly on Google and send her an email, a, a text message or something. Tell her that she is a fantastic police minister doing a fantastic job and I wish we had more of them like her in Australia. Yep, well done, Antolly. Absolutely well said. Now, getting back to our beloved Tony Piccolo, the South Australian police minister, yep. uh, towards the end of the interview, basically the interviewer says to him, well, you would assume that laws are basically going to get stricter, a mm. little bit tougher for basically only law-abiding firearms owners to go and get a license. Well, that's right, Jason. He specifically says, okay, so if you are going to get a gun lawfully, he says, you would assume that the tests and, and the hoops you would have to jump through would be a lot, lot harder. And the police minister said, yeah, that's right. And, and then here we go. We're talking about lawful guns here, Jason. We're talking about... Uh, people wanting to go rabbit shooting. We're not talking about drive-by shootings. We're not talking about criminals that hold up banks. These people are not going to go and get their guns lawfully. So uh, it just boggles me again. Uh, They're tackling law-abiding gun ownership in an effort to tackle gun crimes. It is absolutely mind-boggling stupid, Jason. But did you notice about that article... One, oh, sorry, the the, the um, interview that the whole part about it was that there was talking about first off about licensed firearms owners. Yeah, that's what the police minister kept talking about. Then all of a sudden, we're talking crime. Went from crime to law-abiding firearm owner to crime to law-abiding firearm owner to making it stricter for a law-abiding firearm owner to get guns. We we're going to make it harder. I, I just <laughs> well, you know, com- one important thing that the interviewer failed to mention here, and this is where the penny will drop. If you just mention this to the police minister, if you just ask the question, well, police minister, can you please tell us how many law-abiding gun owners who have lawfully owned guns have you caught in the process of a crime? Yeah, great question. And I think the answer would have been, uh, uh, well, well, um, uh, well, zero. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're not sure. Well, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> But the part that, as I said, that gets to me the most is that it's talking about crime and then making laws harder for law-abiding firearms owners. Can you? And I really don't. I mean, again, I don't condone it. But really, this is why people look want to get a firearms license. Look at it and go, oh, I got to go through all this crap when it's yeah. ele- it's easier to get an illegal firearm. Again, as we said, we don't condone it on this show, obviously, but. You just got to look at the pure science of it. Going through, you know, three anywhere from. I mean, yep. if you're in WA, it could be anywhere from three months to twelve yeah. months to get a license. I mean, even Queensland's running at 12, 12 to sixteen weeks. You know, well, I've well, Jason, people. recently a friend of mine, Steve, who got his uh, firearms license. Um, once he got the 
uh, once he went through the, the forms, filled out all the forms and done the safety test and then also got a letter from the farmer and uh, got his membership of the gun club, once he went through that whole process, it took him almost, what, five months? I think something like that to get his firearms license. Yeah. It is all, I mean, this is, I mean, talking about New South Wales here. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the exact process that's in uh, South Australia. I'm sure it's very similar. But it already takes a hell of a long time to get your firearms license just, license just to be vetted by the government. And I just don't understand what on earth does the government think they're going to achieve by making it even tougher. I mean, all it is is just trying to put more hurdles and obstacles in front of the law-abiding gun owners, Jase. Yeah, exactly. And it just annoys me, Mr Piccolo, South Australian Police Minister, talking about making it harder for licensed firearms owners and then talking about crime and registration because he wants to know where they are. As we said, he doesn't know where they are. Mm. And you can see the difference there, guys, between the Antolly, the New Zealand Police Minister, and Tony Piccolo, the South Australian Police Minister. So, again, go go back over if you want to have a re-listen to it. Very important and stuff. Huge contrast of difference between uh, Australia and New Zealand. Alright, our first uh, piece of news for tonight. We're taking a while to get into it because we really wanted mm. to go over that uh, radio interview with the South Australian Police Minister. This is a good one. ABC News, uh, Sunday the 26th of October. Now, I feel sorry for this guy. It says, man hospitalised after being bound and hit with a hammer during home gun robbery in Colbrook, Tasmania. A man has been hospitalised after being tied up and hit with a hammer during a home robbery in Tasmania South. The man from Colbrook was taken to the Royal Hobart Hospital for treatment of minor injuries. Police said three guns were stolen from the property. Police were unsure if the attack was targeted. Uh, at least two people assaulted the man during the burglary at the Hungry Flats uh, Road rural property. Police said uh, circumstances were unusual and they were investigating the incident. They wanted to speak to people uh, that saw a white hatchback sedan in the area. Now, this is uh, very interesting because as earlier this year, the then state Liberal opposition said Tasmania was experiencing a gun theft tsunami. <laughs> now, th- now, this last part is a really... Gun theft tsunami, I like that. <laughs> this is the part that really pisses me off at the end uh, from, from the Sporting Shooters Association. Uh, it says, Tasmanian Sporting mm. Shooters Association uh, said it did not believe there was a breach of the state's firearms registry. Well, okay, ha- who is this and how does he know that? He, it says, I believe that the police, in their duties... If there had been a breach, would contact all registered firearms owners to notify them there had been a breach uh, and there would there had been some security issues. Spokesman Andrew Judd said, so I'm, I'm guessing Andrew Judd is from the Tasmanian Sporting Shoot Association, mm. and he goes, I don't believe there has been a breach because the police haven't done so. Well... You know what, Jason? I'd like to know what pills Andrew is on because seriously, does he honestly believe that the police are going to contact people and say, ah... Oh, Listen, guys, I know you, uh, all you firearm owners out there, I'm sorry, but we've just had a bit of a problem with your information. Uh, we lost it. I mean, seriously, <laughs> the police are not going to do that. No. And this person believes from SSAA, I mean, more apathy from our gun groups. Absolutely disappointing uh, response from, uh, what's his name there, Andrew? Andrew Judd. Uh, uh, Andrew Judd. Andrew, Andrew Judd. Okay. 
I mean, Andrew, might, Andrew might be a nice guy, but I mean, how does he know? Why does he have so much faith in police that they would contact owners? I mean, that would be an absolute PR nightmare. That would probably lose you government if you said, well, yeah, we've, Absolutely. A, we've actually mean, had this information being compromised. I mean, n- nothing negative on the police, but as if, as if they're going to contact individual gun owners and say, oh, look, sorry, but we've lost your information. Yeah. <laughs> We're really sorry about that. Oh, really sorry about that, but just be on the lookout for any suspicious activity, okay? <laughs> like, and I then, mean... You see me looking at the front window. Ooh, it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, Andrew is a... Seriously, Andrew, I'm sorry, mate. You're, you're a first-class knob. Yeah, you're a bit of a dope. But uh, as I said, I'm, yeah, I just don't know why you would make that statement, you know, especially in a media outlet. I just... I really don't understand. But, I mean, let's hope this guy... Uh, gets well soon hopefully they catch these criminals hopefully he gets his guns back and man this is again this actually reiterates uh my our need uh for self-defense again how many of these articles do we need to read on this show that constantly people are being attacked either for their firearms they're getting into their houses they're being uh raped they're being murdered we've seen we've done plenty of articles on this show you can listen to on straight shooting about people being you know just it's really really bad i think it's actually getting a lot worse and all the all the police is oh let's get rid of all the guns How's that going to work? But anyway. And anyway, for all you guys out there in Tasmania who are listening to this show, get on the blower to Andrew and just tell him to start standing up up for your rights. For God's sakes, we don't need any more government apologists, apathetic people in our shooting organizations. So please give it, give the double SAA a call in Tasmania and tell them to stop apologizing for your firearm ownership. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the registry hasn't been breached. Maybe it has. But, I mean, to go on an article and say, oh, yeah, well, the police would have called us, I mean, to me, is just yeah, fairly silly, in my opinion. Uh, he doesn't know it hasn't been. He doesn't know it hasn't been. So, in my opinion, it would be best off to not make that statement to Absolutely. Uh, ABC News. It's, it's just News. common sense. The police are not going to call you and say to you, uh, we've lost your information. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch it. How many? Are you, oh, oh, you got twelve. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you better you, you better do something to make sure they're secure. Put another lock on that front door. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, oh, Andrew Judd, matter, but I just you I know, know it's just Andrew Judd, you should be apologising to gun owners. Hopefully, you listen to this, learn from this, and realise these types of statements aren't helping licensed law-abiding firearms owners. All right, another article. This one's just fantastic. Me and Mum were just talking about this one. The Gimpy Times. Uh, what date was that? 25th of October, 2014. Now, Ron Owen, I think Ron owns a uh, yep. gun shop. Yep. Uh, and it says the article is fundraiser. Ron relishes the controversy of his boar hunt. Ron Owen, uh, Ron Owen's big worry was finding all that applesauce, I guess, for that nice bit of pork. <laughs> he goes, we've all had a lot of fun already. The gimpy gun enthusiast said he savoured the controversy from his gimpy pig hunting championship on the weekend. Having outraged, of course they're outraged, some animal liberationists. Uh, he's raised about $10,000 for the families of veteran soldiers through the uh, SAS Association's Wandering Warriors Charity. A worthy cause. Very worthy. And the funny thing is I don't see the, I don't really see anywhere where the animal liberationists actually raised any money for the no. uh, SAS Association of, of uh, Wandering Warriors Charity. Uh, only mm. the uh, Ron Owen uh, on the, doing his pig hunts. But anyway, it says Mr. <laughs> Owen was enjoying some unexpected support from animal lovers. Nice. Greens Party candidate Joy Ringrose joined real estate candidate Graham Engerman in defending the humane credentials of Mr. Owen's Big Boar Hunting Championships. A big also, surprise. Yeah, also supported by Gimpy MP uh, David Gibson. 
Uh, it was da- yeah, da- yeah, David Gibson. Mr. Owen says, Animal liberationists have stolen and defaced his original promotional sign, altering it to read, Queensland Redneck Hunting Championships. <laughs> right? Um, about 350 entrants are competing for the $20,000 worth of prizes, which is great. Uh, presentation starting at 4 p.m. Uh, Mr. Owen predicts that the weigh-in behind Mr. McMahon's, uh, sorry, McMahon's Road Gun Shop uh, will be setting for a large pile of dead pigs, the only non-feral one being the one on the spit. So the nothing spit, like man. getting a bit of the, uh, tasty pork there. But again, wanted to go back that $10,000 raised for families of veteran soldiers. I mean, you know, I don't yeah. see uh, animal liberators. Fantastic liberators. work there by Ron Nolan, mate. Yep, good on you, Ron. Well yep. done, mate. You're a pinnacle. Cheerio to Ron. Give Ron a call if you want. Say, mate, great article and definitely a great cause there. Again, we don't see animal liberators giving absolutely uh, nothing uh, to these types of uh, great causes. Mars, you got an article over there? What you got over yeah, there? Yeah, I've got a little, this bewildering, uh, I guess, story. It's, it's the only way I can describe it, Jason. But uh, this is from news.com, uh, courtesy of news.com from October 24th, 2014. And this is the story headline says, Ammo found in Buckingham Palace lockers. Oh, oh look out. Call in, uh, call in the police, quick. <laughs> A police officer who guards Britain's royal family has been arrested after ammunition was found in lockers in the grounds of Buckingham Palace, Scotland Yard says. The unnamed policeman was held after um, after other royalty protection officers reporting finding ammunition in their personal lockers and bags in a police building in the central London Palace grounds. I mean, God forbid, Jason, that you should actually have Ammo in a mm. police building. Yeah, no. Who'd <laughs> they call? Did, did they call the royal family? Oh, well, I mean, anyway, the story goes on and says the arrested officer is being questioned on suspicion of misconduct in public office and unlawful possession of ammunition. The officer is part of a unit which guards the royal family. So you can guard the royal family, Jason, just, just but you're just bullets. not allowed to have any ammo to guard them with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can't have it's any just ammo. unbelievable this story. I just I don't know what to think of it. What, so, hey, what do they have in those guns? What do they got? Rubber bullets oh, or just pretend? No, or are they oh, fake? No. Or what are they carrying? Real I've guns? Got or? No idea what they got in them. You it's know, pretty hilarious. You know, uh, foam or something. The officer's part. So anyway, so the officer's part of a uh, of a guard which guards the royal family, but was not assigned to protecting any particular figure. Oh, okay. And also, the story goes on to say as well that four officers from um, from the unit lost their jobs over leaking details of a clash between a senior member of Prime Minister David Cameron's government and the pol- and the police over their refusal to let him ride his bicycle <laughs> through a gate at Downing Street. I just, oh God! I mean, you could. What are these poms on about? I mean, I don't know what's in their water, mate. But it's just. Uh, there is, uh, there is no common sense yep. exists in government departments. I mean, they're arresting this police officer for having ammo. And literally, if you remember years ago, Jason, there was a bloke that walked into the Buckingham Palace and sat on the, on the bed 
at, at the edge of the bed of uh, Queen Elizabeth's bed, and he just had a chat to her. <laughs> I mean, there's no security the, there, the, and even when there is security, they're, they're scared of themselves because they won't let the police have uh, ammunition. Ridiculous. I mean, what's the point of having guards without ammo? Well, like we said, I think we said this in the last show, Mike Yardley, hunter, shooter, journalist, UK guy, uh, who I've interviewed before, who is a really big on guns, l- r- written a lot of reviews. I think he put up a Facebook status a couple of weeks ago, probably in uh, uh, early October, mm. that said, mate, if, if uh, the UK don't get off their collective asses, so to speak, uh, they're not going to have a sport in 20 years. You no. see, they've already banned handguns. I mean, they've already, they're already starting on the shotguns now. They're, you know, they're starting on everything. And he's, well, I think he's right. If they don't really pull their act together, I mean, there's a lot of cultural stuff going on there too. Um, you know, Subway, I don't want to get into it on this show, but Subway stopping, you know, stop selling bacon, halal, mm. which was not yeah. halal, so they stopped selling bacon. Yep. Um, I mean, all this dumb stuff just constantly. Well, just, recently, just, just on top of that with the security too, Jason, just recently, for those of you that have been watching the news, you had David Cameron, the Prime Minister of England, going into his car. The security completely failed as some random off the street just walked by him and bumped right into him. I mean, it could have been anyone. Mm. could have been some assassin or whatever. The security completely failed. And, and on top of that, uh, just back, going back to this story where the four officers of the unit lost their jobs, and it's just because of someone leaking some information about someone who was blocked from riding a bicycle, and one of the four officers was jailed wow. over the issue. Oh, <laughs> just again, they're jailing police officers for not for for giving out information about people riding bicycles. But here you have the prime minister of of England, David Cameron, being bumped into by just ran, some random on the streets, and they've. Concerned about police not having ammo? Oh, I just, mate, I don't know what to make of England, Jason. It's just the world is upside down over there. All right, we're just going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back with the Straight Shooting Podcast. This is an ad for the Liberal Democrats. But the Liberal Democrats don't want me to talk about them. They want me to talk about you. People should control governments. Governments shouldn't control people. In fact, the Liberal Democrats think the less you hear from the government, the better. Unless you're hurting someone, governments should get out of the way and let you live the life you want. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately six hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit SSAAsydney.net. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and Hoppies gun cleaning products. 
Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear, all at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412-495-712. All right, another article, very good one, guys, coming up about registries from the Herald. Uh, Chris Pippas, or Pippos, uh, October 28, 2014. This one's about, the main heading of the article is Tasmanian firearm registry causing concern. The Tasmanian Farmers and Grazers Association uh, fears those who sign the registry could glean names and addresses of uh, other properties where multiple firearms were stored in Tasmania. The state's peak body has warned that personal details on the state's firearms registry, which uh, Tasmanian police has consistently denied has been reached, could potentially be cited by people with sinister motives. Uh, Going on to the next page, gun owners and others who signed on the registry were in some cases easily able to glean the owner names and addresses of other properties where possibly multiple firearms were stored in Tasmania. Mm. Uh, Miss Davis said the lack of confidentiality in the system meant it was a risk at being abused by individuals, not law-abiding gun owners on the registry, intent on stealing guns from private properties uh, or passing on private details to criminals. In 2012 and 2013 financial year, more than 220 firearms were stolen in Tasmania, yet very few were recovered. In some cases, the firearms were burgled from household storage uh, storages immediately after the owner had registered their guns. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously that could be within a couple of weeks. Very weird, isn't it? Mm. Tasmanian police has reportedly assured the community... The firearms registry data has not been legally accessed. Of course, again, they've got to say that. Can you imagine the ramifications of saying the information has been breached? Uh, The TFGA has also made its concerns about the firearms registry known uh, to the current Federal Senate Committee Inquiry in Canberra looking into gun-related violence in the community, uh, noting in its recent submission that the registry lacked confidentiality safeguards. Well, further proof to and uh, gives more credence to... Uh, abolishing the registry, Jason. The registry has to go. It's got to go. It is a massive uh, piece of red tape and cost to the taxpayer that simply does absolutely nothing for firearm safety, Jason. Tell me, right, how having more information, we've said this on a show before, giving mm. information to the gun shops, giving information to organisations, that's another address. Yep. Uh, police. Se- yeah, police. Uh, sending it in the mail with a permit to acquire if you change address. Yep. Um, I mean, where where else are we giving well, our address? Well, you're out? giving your information every time the police come to your house and visit uh, and inspect your firearms because every now and then it could be a different police officer. You're giving your information out then because your yeah. police know where you live. You know what I mean? The location and, of the firearms within the property? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, know? you are giving your information out so many times throughout the whole process of from when you purchase a gun to when you purchase ammo and all that all that stuff. It is absolutely ridiculous and it's putting people people's lives at risk. Now, once again, Jason, I'm not blaming the police for this. I know the vast majority of police officers out there are great and uh, you know, but let's face it, the more information you're gonna give out, the more likelihood there is that it's gonna land in the wrong wrong hands, Jason. Yeah, I don't I don't see why we want why, why we've got this need to get all this data and we need to put this whole thing into no one can get access to this data we've got to protect it it's got to be under lock and key we've got to do a very but why have the data in the first place just don't have it exactly you've made a very important point you just don't have it basically what it means jason is that the government doesn't trust you 
you're the law-abiding gun owner. You're the good guy. You're the guy who just wants to go hunting and be left yeah. alone with his guns. They don't trust you. And they try to uh, always, uh, I guess, draw that comparison between the law-abiding gun owner and the criminal when there's absolutely no comparison to be drawn. Yeah, mate, I totally agree with you. I just don't know why, again, we've got this thing about giving so much information and yet they blame us for uh, firearms apparently getting stolen. I mean, as I said, how can you register a firearm uh, and it's stolen within a few weeks after it being registered? So someone yeah. would have had to have known. They've either had the data somewhere. Um, again, I can't, obviously, here on the show, we can't you know, collectively say it has been compromised. But, I mean, over the last year, I definitely have... I definitely have noticed that there's been a lot more people being attacked for their firearms, only uh, being attacked for their firearms, not stealing anything else from the the, the homes of those particular people. Um, And people like we just saw, we did the article before about the guy in Tasmania being bashed and almost, you know, probably severely injured, if not some people will eventually be killed, uh, trying to, um, you know, what can they do? You know, what can they do? Well, they're yeah, trying to defend their finals, yeah. but they can't even do that. They can't even do that. The yeah. police would come and go, what did you do? Well, I can't defend myself, so I can't use the gun. Just let them take them. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely shocking, Jason. And we certainly hope this is a situation that's going to improve in the future, but it's only going to improve by you guys who are listening to this podcast right now by standing up for yourselves, calling the police and also your gun groups, letting them know how upset you are, letting them know how you feel, letting them know what legislation you don't like, and you know what what you want to see changed, I and mean, that's what it comes down to. We've got to start getting vocal, Jace, and that's one of the hardest things actually amongst our um, amongst the people, our, our community. Uh, that's hardest thing to do is get people motivated to actually write that letter, to make that phone call uh, to all the right people. And it's like I said before, Jace, it only takes ten minutes to change the country, and you've got to find that ten minutes every now and then to make an effort to make that phone call or to send that email to that elected representative or the member or the president of your particular gun group and let them know how you feel about it. And that's right too. We want to talk about too, we put on the Facebook page, the uh, government to reduce red tape. Uh, I'll put the link uh, on the blog post for the yeah, Straight still Shooting go- Podcast. Yeah, still going on. They're still accepting... Uh, yeah. Jump on there. Um, you do have to upload like a text document or a Word document when you fill it out, red tape. Make a submission. Takes literally all of about one and a half minutes just to fill out your name. Uh, you might have to do your address. So if you've got a P.O. box, put your P.O. box in. Uh, and then when you do your upload, just put whatever, you maybe a half a paragraph in a Word document or a text document. Fill out the details. You can click the upload button there. You can select the particular folder off your computer. Mate, what, you, what do they want to say, Mars, that basically... We want mm. the abolishment of the National Firearms uh, agreement. agreement, the NFA. We want, we want the abolishment of registration. We want all these draconian firearm laws to be completely reworked and re-looked at. And it doesn't have to be... A lot of people have written in very comprehensive submissions, Jason. You can clearly see they've put some time into it. It doesn't have to be elaborate. All you've got to do is put your name and address and your details to a piece of paper that says, I'm not happy with the firearm laws abolished the National Firearms Agreement, abolished registration. The whole system needs to be looked at, re-looked at, full stop, end of story. And then they'll have your name on the record as another person that's just not happy. And the more people that can do that, the more they're going to see that, look, the gun owners out there aren't really happy and this whole system is not working. So, guys, don't be apathetic. Get on the computer. If you've got a PC, if you've got a phone, it doesn't take that long and do it. 
All right, we've uh, neglected to do the apathetic for shooter for a while, but here it is, apathetic shooter. Apathetic shooter. Here we go. This one's this one's a great one, right? Hilarious. I mean, okay, we probably won't mention his name. We won't mention his last name. But this guy's name is James. He says, "I'm a legal registered gun owner, and I totally disagree with anyone wanting to own a gun for self-defense. The minute you allow people to keep a loaded firearms in their house for defensive purposes, you're asking for a massive spike in gun-related." accidents and fatalities bad bad move civilian guns in this country are for hunting and for sport not for self-defense now this is in regards to the uh, facebook post uh, from the liberal democratic party victorian branch where they had a picture of their ldp uh, logo and right in the middle across it was a basically an ar-15 it says the only victorian party to support guns for self-defense and then it says the liberal democratic party victorian branch believes that people have a right to use firearms for self-defense and recreation if you agree please sign up etc etc mm. now the whole thing is that he says in this uh, what he says in regards to uh that we shouldn't be um, guns for self-defense well as far as i'm aware they weren't really when they were first made developed for uh sport no. Uh, and or hunting. Uh, basically, it was in the defense of life exactly. and to stop oppression. So I don't know exactly what he's talking about. What do you think? I mean, you think well, see, on the surface, it, what he's saying sounds like a fairly reasonable comment. The problem with that is, of course, it should be up to the individual if he wants to keep a loaded firearm in his home, right? So he's saying it's going to be a spike on accidents and, and things like that. Well, it's certainly up to... If you don't feel that you, you, you have to have a firearm for self-defense, you don't have to have one, Jason. You know it, what I mean? You don't buy one. You, can, you don't buy one or you keep your firearms locked up. It doesn't change any your life any different. But there are some people that live in very dodgy suburbs and you know they, they've got a lot of undesirable people in the area and they might want to keep a firearm yeah, for self-defense because the police you. might be too far away. He doesn't want you to have a firearm for exactly, self-defense. Exactly, yeah. He doesn't want you because he wants to try and save you from yourself. Yeah. I mean, really. And today, a lot of people don't realize this because we just don't have access to these sort of things. There's some really sophisticated, high-tech safes these days, Jace. And uh, I've seen a lot of them in NRA magazines and that, and where basically you can keep a loaded firearm securely in a lockable safe uh, which can be mounted high somewhere near the fridge or whatever it is, and all you need to do is put your uh, your thumbprints or your or your handprints on the safe, and once the safe registers your print, it opens that safe, so you can quickly and easily have access to a loaded firearm within a couple of seconds, and that firearm can never be accessed by anyone else. There's, so there's technology out there to make uh, having firearms in the home for self-defense quite safe, and once again. <laughs> People just don't get it. That you know, they they don't realise that it's a personal. It's a thing. It should be something that about personal choice. It's not something that should be mandated. Oh, you have to have a gun for self defence. If you don't feel comfortable having firearms for self defence around a house or whatever it is, you shouldn't have to have them. And you know, it's just the common sense. But some of these people fail to see these uh, these things. And not not only that, Jay. Something I uh, allowing people. Just the mere fact that the law exists, that you can defend yourself with firearms, would put fear into the hearts of the criminals. It would make them really think twice before, uh, inv- I guess, invading your home and threatening your life because they know that, shit, if I, if I, if I walk into this house, this might be the last, time, last thing I ever do. Yeah. 
This is another one too. This is very interesting. I sort of don't understand what he's saying because he's done a few typing errors. But he goes, I, as a livened, livened, livened firearm owner, agree with everything apart from not having to register long arms. I think registering firearms is a good way to keep people safe and honest. Safe and honest? How? I just don't. Well, there's no real backup. There's no scientific evidence yeah. behind his Facebook statement. Of course, because he doesn't really understand what he's saying. So, I mean, how does registering firearms keep me safe and honest? I mean, I've, you know, I just don't understand. Uh, you're either law-abiding or you're not, you know, and that's what it comes down to. And I remember the good old days. We used to be able to trade between other law-abiding gun owners. We used to buy and sell guns from each other. It was absolutely no big deal. And today, the criminals, they have absolute unfettered uh, access to firearms of all types, illegal, manufactured, illegally imported, stolen, whatever, there is no limits to what the criminals can own. So how on earth um, is uh, registration going to you know, change any of that? I don't know. Here we go. This guy's name is Dave. Very, another very interesting one. I guess the topic of guns comes up and everyone thinks we are going to become a bunch of brainless gun nuts like the Yanks. Aussies are nothing like them. I totally believe that everyone should be licensed. Uh, to screen for potential crazies, and all guns need to be registered. But the current laws regarding semi-autos were written by people, uh, in uh, people in big cities in the big smoke that just don't understand firearms ownership. Ignorance makes us so makes for bad policy. Uh, we are all being told not to judge all Muslims because of a select few giving them a bad name. Legitimate gun owners should be treated the same. I just one minute he says. Uh, get the semi-autos back, but yeah. well, registration is good. This is again brainwash that registration is good. I, I ask people on my the Facebook page, tell me how's registration good. People have said before registration's good because if police come to your home, domestic issue, well, they'll know firearms in the, in the house. Mm. Why would you enter a domestic issue regardless of whether I knew there was a firearm there? Or not? I know that means there's potentially no legal firearms there. Yeah, exactly. well, guess what? Could be a legal firearm. Exactly. Could be a knife. Could be anything. We don't really know. It's a false know. sense of security. And that person who <laughs> wrote that comment, obviously a gun owner, an apathetic gun owner, because I'm quite, you know, actually offended by some of the things he's saying. Oh, we don't want to be American gun crazy nuts or whatever he's saying. He's obviously been looking at too much news. And if he actually done some uh, research and was a member of a gun group in the United States like the NRA, he would understand that, understand that the Americans, the vast majority of American gun owners, 99.9%, are law-abiding good people that are very responsible with their firearms. And don't forget, Jace, there's 100 million gun owners in the United States. Every single day that goes by without a mass shooting is a mass shooting is 100 million gun owners in the United States that done the right thing, you know what I mean? Exactly. That, that, that didn't commit any crimes or anything like that. And when I talk about, oh, the massive gun crime in the United States, I mean, this is illegal guns. This is gangs. This is uh, drug cartels. This is people committing suicides. This is police officers shooting bad guys. This yeah. is good guys exactly. defending themselves against bad guys. This is what the gun crime is. It is not what they think. And this guy is saying, oh, you know, we want semi-autos back, but all guns need to be registered. He, I don't think he understands what he's talking about. Yeah, and probably leave the best one for last. Good old BJ. 
You need gun registration. Unless you're planning on shooting someone and dumping it, it shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. I think there should be no hassle between swapping, trading, and buying guns privately, so long as it's all documented correctly. (laughs) <laughs> there should be registration. It is unbelievable. I can't believe, I can't believe these w. people own firearms. Seriously, that pathetic shooters, it's unbelievable. Okay, so, okay, Jace, you want to shoot someone and dump them. Well, you wouldn't be doing it with a legal gun, first of all. And uh, you'd be getting an illegal gun. You'd be a criminal. And even if you were to do an illegal gun, you'd, you'd probably be able to do it with your shotgun and you'd never be able to get traced or anything because you're not doing it with a centerfire rifle, which can be traced. So how's you know registration going to stop you from committing a crime? It is just mind-boggling. I don't know what these guys think. What are these guys thinking? A registration is not going to stop you from doing anything if you wanted to do it and that's the whole point and i don't understand why some of the law-abiding gun owners out there still believe they're still buying this old lie this lie that's kept being fed to the police and to up by and by other apathetic shooters that registration is good it saves life it does not do nothing yeah and then there's one there's a guy this is just to lighten off and make it a bit more positive uh rowan uh is replying to sully and he says sully if someone broke into your house, bashed your loved ones, threatened to kill you, I'm going to put $100 on the horse's nose. You wish you had a firearm. The topic was for self-defense in your own home, you retard. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, what I wanted to finish off with too, uh, this was uh, happened a, a few weeks ago now. Pretty sad stuff coming out of a Victorian property, rural property. Uh, but there's one part here that I've actually circled, which is, uh, to me, uh, very hard evidence that the police will never be there to defend you in the time of need. It says a 63-year-old man has been charged with three counts of murder following a four-hour siege at Wed- in Wedderburn in central Victoria. Mm. Police were called to a home uh, at Mulga Ridge Road at Wedderburn on Wednesday night following what police described as a minor neighbourhood dispute. Officers found one person dead and heard gunshots nearby, so they withdrew from the scene. They spoke to a man by telephone for about four hours before the man surrendered. A subsequent search of the area revealed two other bodies. So obviously you know which part here is the disturbing part. Officers found one person Mm. dead, heard gunshots nearby, so they withdrew from the scene. Again, if this is not evidence to you guys that the police just won't be there when you need them. I mean, as far as I'm... Again, this actually comes back to the... I mean, it's a bit of a negative on our side. These guns were registered. Exactly. So I ha- mean, so registration ha- didn't stop any crimes here. So. Exactly. So hang on, let me get this straight. It really can't stop like registered gun crime, can't well, stop illegal gun crime. So w- yeah. w- 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 what is- <laughs> registered gun crime can't stop crime with registered guns, nor can it stop crime with illegal guns. It's just, you know. At the end of the day, if someone wants to do something as bad as this, there's nothing that's going to stop them. And uh, the disturbing part was the police heard shots and then they backed away. They just said, oh, yeah, toodaloo. Toodaloo. See Too much for I, us. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. And I don't want to, uh, I guess, dump on the police too much here, but I, I was, I would assume that if police heard gunshots, they would rush in with guns drawn and see what's going on. Well, I'd, you'd hope so. I mean, hope I, so. I'd hope if I was getting attacked or someone in my home and someone got in my home and was letting shots yeah. off and I was under the bed or something, 
I'm hoping the police would try and at least kick down the door, draw exactly. some firearms and try and save me. How do they know what's going on in there? How do they know that this guy is not looking for other members inside the house to kill kill more people? You know what I mean? Mm, no. Just, so, I, mean, I, ho- I don't ho- understand what the procedure is there, but it doesn't sound right to me, Jace. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we've... You know, got it somewhat wrong, but I mean, it's pretty. This is again. I'm not saying the, this is our mobile. Dot, sorry, it was abc.net.au.au news. Um, I've only got a little bit of a screenshot of it, but again, we just want to say again. You know, again, not hacking on police. They do the best they can. You know, in the in this current situation, but like we always say, minutes, three, four minutes away when someone's in your house attacking you. Yep. Again, like I say to people, people think, oh, that doesn't happen, but you know what? It does happen. It just yeah. hasn't happened to you yet. It's happening all the time. We've seen it. People are getting raped. They're getting murdered. Uh, seeing people getting attacked. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, like we just said, you know. And, you know, a lot of people in general just apathetic about self-defense. They think, oh, we live in such a great country. It's safe. You don't need a gun for self-defense. Yeah, of course. You don't need a gun until you're actually in a situation yeah. when you need it. <laughs> and hopefully, as I said, you're never, ever going to be in that situation where you're yeah. hopefully going to need a firearm. And I've got friends that are, you know, oh, you know that's just ridiculous. Uh, you shouldn't be have a gun for that. But then, like I said, they've got, you know, they, they, you know my age, early to mid-30s. Mm. Uh, they've got families. And my thing is always is, well, you know, what happens if it happened to you? Because it hasn't happened to them, so they think it's not a reality. But we've seen lots of things. We've seen uh, Jill Ma raped and murdered. Yeah. We've seen, you know, uh, people just up near my place, up here about, out west, probably about three, four months ago. I mean, they attacked about 3 a.m. and beaten with bats. Um, you know, and just it's just terrible, man. Like you know, and no one even knows what for. Yeah. Just you know, who knows? Targeted attacks, not targeted attacks. I mean, you know, who really cares if you've been vetted by the government, law-abiding? I mean, I should be able to, at the bare minimum, concealed carries a whole different kettle of fish at the moment. But I mean, I should be able to defend myself in my home. But I guess that's uh, too difficult for the government. Yeah, we're getting close to the end of the show, guys. And Jace, um, I just wanted to uh, finish off with. A few, a few things here. Recently, as you know, there's been that terrorist that made that attack on the Canadian Parliament and he uh, shot one of the guards at the war memorial. Uh, yep. and, uh, well, actually, I, I think he was a uh, army guy, yeah. army reservist, I think. Yep. Yeah, and I, I actually have un- unconfirmed reports. I've heard things on uh, a lot of the Canadian radio and American radio that um, that the guard actually didn't have uh, live rounds, or it didn't have an actual functioning gun. That it was a, uh, it was a, a bit of a, a prop. It, it wasn't a real gun, apparently, Jace. So, yeah, right. And I just thought I found that absolutely amazing. And what is the point of a guard that doesn't even have a real gun? Isn't that even more dangerous? I mean, how many of isn't, them- isn't having a, a fake gun or, 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 or a real gun with no ammo more dangerous? than having an actual gun that you can defend yourself with. I mean, I just find that amazing. What what on earth is going on in our Western countries? Are, are our politicians uh, scared of their of of, the, of their own people who are defending them, who are there to protect them? What is going on? I just find that absolutely mind-boggling, bizarre. Uh, if you have a guard and you got a gun on him. Make sure it's a real gun with real yeah. ammo so he can actually perform his duties. It's just mind-boggling to me. The James. interesting part about it is obviously one guard who killed the guy, this uh, yeah. alleged at this stage terrorist. Yeah. Um, uh, so someone did have a gun because someone did shoot him dead. Yeah. So, But, I mean, how many of those guards within Parliament there in Canada, I think it's in Ottawa, how many of them actually had real guns? I mean, is more than one is just just a bit of a look thing, and really only one sort of guy roaming around's really got a gun. I mean, it'd be pretty crazy. We got your politicians there, 
But again, this comes back to politicians can be armed. They can, you know, they get protected. We don't. Well, you know, you, you know that's right. But the thing is, even the politicians are, are, are very apathetic. This was just one guy in Canada, Jace, that forced the parliament to block the entire uh, chamber with all the chairs and everything they had in there because they were scared that he was going to get in. He was very close to getting in and shooting parliamentarians. Just mm. this, this is just one guy. And thank God um, the sergeant-at-arms in parliament, he was armed and he shot him dead. And uh, thank God for him there was an armed person inside yeah. the parliament who actually saved the day. But what got me thinking is imagine this was a well-organized group of 10 or 15 people, terrorists, with, yeah, you know, exactly. with some serious gear, some uh, semi-auto oh, weapons no or full, fully automatic weapons. Mate, they've, they would have cleaned that place out. They would have absolutely killed everybody. And that's what scares me. What on earth are Western governments doing being absolutely apathetic to the point where it's just blindly stupid? Yeah, they may be allegedly carrying fake guns. And I can't believe the guard... And this is an unconfirmed report, so I'm quite happy to be corrected on this, and we're going to try and find a report for you next uh, Straight Shooting Podcast. But the guard actually, he either had a fake gun or he had a real gun that was absolutely um, no, no, bullets, no, no bullets in it, nothing. So I just don't see what is the what is the use of that. So very disappointing. Now, uh, Jace, for all the listeners out there, now some of you guys may have recently gotten your firearms license and you're keen to go out, do a bit of hunting, a bit of shooting, just remember to join your organisations. If you're in Victoria, get a game licence. If you're in New South Wales, get a game hunting licence. These are fantastic guys. It'll be You'll be able to go to the state forests and national parks and camp and go out with your friends and do a bit yeah. of hunting. Don't so, forget South Australia. I think you can go duck hunting there. Yeah, You've got South ducks in uh, Northern Territory, I think, yeah. too, and uh, magpie geese, I think, as well, or big geese. Or Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty know. of avenues for you guys to go hunting, so make sure you join your organisation and ask the right questions as to where you can uh, sign up and, and get those licences. And if you're not a member of a shooter's group or a shooting club join up there's plenty of uh great uh clubs out there the double sla of course there's shooters union you can join them um also your political parties support your pro-gun political parties the shooters and fishers the liberal democrats and of course the big one jason which we're both very proud members of the nra the biggest organization the biggest lobby group in the world the national rifle association in the united states it's very important to be a member of them and receive their magazine and learn about freedom and what it's all about and how it relates to us. So, Jason, we're coming close to, to the end of another show. And, uh, you know, we've discussed a lot of things and I hope the uh, people out there, the listeners, have enjoyed this show thoroughly. So, you want to take us out, mate? Yeah, I think we've got... Uh, what have we got coming up on the show? And again, a couple of weeks. We've already mentioned them before. Uh, just did a great... We, we weren't sure if it was happening, but we definitely got it done last weekend. And I tell you what, it was a fantastic show with Bunny Hunter. Yeah, uh, you might know her from YouTube. She was on the Sunrise program, being interviewed by I thought it was, it was not Mel anymore, but Koshi and the oh, other David Koshi. I don't even watch oh, it, man. But mate. David Koshi was on there. Koshi was on there, and if you've seen the the link when they interviewed Bunny Hunter, David Koshi starts going on about this is not what the Second Amendment was about. I mean, of course, you know, don't forget Koshi is an absolute American history scholar and knows what they meant by the Constitution <laughs> and the Bill of Rights. Of course, I mean, Koshi would know better than Americans well, themselves. You Koshi know? is what they commonly in the United States call a libtard. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how I spoke about that too, and I said liberal. I said a bit different in our country, you know, compared yeah. to what liberal is here. And she said, oh, I know what you mean. Like, it's too different. Yeah, I said, it's pretty funny. Um, hopefully, we've got uh, Andy. Looking forward to that interview, Jason. Yeah, no, I did. I probably spoke a bit much during that interview, but I mean, again, I had to try and relate Australian gun laws mm. so people have an understanding of what it actually means. Uh, and what our laws mean here in Australia, and how different it is from the United States. But certainly a great podcast. I've got Andy Mallon, uh, Silverdale Rifle Range Manager. I've got two or three more uh, already recorded, uh, Everyday Hunter segments with people that hunt just like me and Mars that enjoy getting out there and hunting. Yeah, plenty of content coming up, guys, so stay yep. tuned to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Yeah, and we've got, uh, who else we got? i got, Do- I'm going to be doing an interview with Diana Mellum. Yep. Again, Sporting Shooters Association of Australia, uh, New South Wales. So I'm going to be interviewing her. And I just interviewed, uh, we see a lot of articles from Dr. Samara McFedrin uh, in I See Wish, International Coalition of Women in Hunting and Shooting, is it? Mm. Or Women in Shooting and Hunting, I should say. Yeah. I See Wish. Um, she's on a f- lot of forums and she writes a, a lot of articles, so I'm going to be interviewing her. She does a lot of stuff on media releases, especially around uh, criminology, especially around statistics. Um, so it's going to be really good. And basically, she supports what we say that you know registration doesn't do jack. Um, yeah. There's no need for it. Uh, all this red tape, no need for it. And, and pretty much, again, we talk about New Zealand. We've done it before. Uh, basically, yeah, no need for all this stuff. Australia is not any different than basically New Zealand. The culture is fairly the same, I would say. People, mm. you know, friendly, got no problems. Well, in New Zealand, Jason, they don't have a culture of fear. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference. Oh, and, I, and, and I guess this is part of the reason why me and you do this show, Jason, yeah. because we want to dispel the fear among, amongst all the uh, yeah. shooters out there. We want to let people know that we can foster a positive gun culture that that doesn't have to rely on a lot of red tape and regulation and government waste. And yeah. uh, and I think this is what we need to push every single day. And remember, don't listen to what they tell you. Go out, do your own advice, uh, Get look at uh, on the internet, read articles. I mean, again, I'm happy to hear emails. I mean, 30,000 people a month download this show, and I'm yet to hear anyone that's written to me and said, hey, listen, yeah, this is why registration is good. Uh, here's here's the, the science behind it. Here's how it saved lives. Here's specific cases. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Keep asking for it, but well, haven't seen that's it. that's it. I mean, if you can mount a really good case, please uh, send feel, free to, feel free to use the website and even send a voice message. Yep. We'll be quite happy to hear from yep. you. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we want. We want participation from you guys out there. We want to hear new ideas. We want to hear what you think. We want to uh, hear your thoughts in relation to things that, to go, that go on in other countries and how they relate yep. to us. Anything that you've got on yep. your mind, and any we wanna, questions? We want to talk about your topics. Again, strainhuntingpodcast.com.au. Click on that leave voicemail or voicemail message, I think it's called. It doesn't matter. You'll know where it is. Click on the right-hand side. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the show. Lots coming up here on the Straight Shooting Podcast. As always, I'm Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Vladko. See you next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.